Welcome to Pagan Gumbo. This is Forrest Nui-Cobalt. I am here with Michael and Seamus for our second episode. And this is an ongoing discussion of the philosophical and practical applications of nature-based spirituality. We explore both the ancient and modern perspectives and how we conceptualize the universe and our place in it. This discussion is more about the questions than the answers. It's an examination that takes place as a result of the dialogue. As always, mileage may vary, and it's always a way to look at things, not the way to look at things. Our intent is to mix discussions and interviews to offer up a new serving about every other week. If you have questions or desired topics, please send them to questions at pagangumbo.com. And like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. This is a 3P production in partnership with Hole in the Wall Studios. Today's topic is runes, one with which I am sorely lacking. I, I really just don't know a whole lot about it, so I'm going to kind of ask you guys a bunch of questions and hope that they're not stupid ones. Uh. <laughs> Likewise, we will try to answer you with non-stupid answers. I would appreciate that if you're lucky. <laughs> well, at least Michael will. Um, I make no promises. <laughs> so, Michael, tell us uh, in you know layman's terms, what exactly are we dealing with when we're looking at the runes? So runes are an ancient alphabet, um, particularly a, a Norse Germanic alphabet. There's a couple different kinds of runes out there. Um, but we'll be we'll we'll be fairly simple for for this and mostly examine the Elder Futhark runes, which are dated to possibly as early as about the second century BC, um, and uh, provide us with both a uh, an alphabet like we typically think of an alphabet, um, as well as a magical alphabet. Um, literacy is one of those things in the ancient world that is. Uh, terribly special and not necessarily um, common. And so... I hate to tell you, but guess what? It's coming back that way. (laughs) (laughs) But the the concept of being able to write a symbol for a sound which had a meaning um, that is a full word, that has a poetic meaning behind it, um, is, is a kind of magic. And... So these runes, the, these letters, are used as a kind of magic as well. Modern people, when they use runes, tend to use them very similar to tarot cards. Um, you lay them out on a table and you read them based on, on your knowledge of the symbol. Um, we don't have a whole lot of direct evidence that that's exactly what they were used for uh, in the ancient world. Mostly they don't seem to have been used for divination, though there is the passage in Tacitus's uh, Germania, which discusses the carving of uh, a, a fruit tree branch and then the casting of symbols onto a white cloth. Um, so there is that piece to it, but you know, it was Tacitus. We don't really know if he knew what he was talking about or not. Well, and like so many things, there's a line or there's a paragraph or yeah. there's a, a mention, and that's all we really have. Yeah. It's out of context. Now, we do know for a fact that, that these were used in a magical way. They're, they're used uh, um, to inscribe on shield bosses, for instance, the the metal part of a shield um one common thing is you'll you'll see challenger of the hail written in um in runes on it and that refers to the hail of arrows and it challenges that hail and prevents it from hitting the person under the shield oh very cool um so you know it's not just um 
it's not it's not an alphabet and a language that is only used for mundane purposes. It is clearly it clearly has magical uses, and we have formations of letters and words that don't make any sense mm -hmm. linguistically. Um, alu is a good example. A L U. It means ale, but it gets carved on its own onto things, and it's considered a magical formula because of that. Or a series of of Tivas runes, for instance, is carved. Mm -hmm. And that's usually considered a, an invocation of the god Tyr um, when that happens. Uh, okay. So if you see a particular rune repeated over and over again in, in a single line, it, it, that repetition is the invocation? It's... It can be, yes. Um, in a lot of ways, we don't have enough context to be certain of these things. Mm -hmm. But knowing what we know about other religions and, and about the way that people do things in, in magical societies where we do have records... Um, that repetition, that that notion is is something that we can sort of extrapolate from. Mm. I always just assumed the, the stone carver was a stutterer. That could be it as well. <laughs> that could be it as well. Um, a lot of the runes carvings that we have are just straight up mundane. You know, I built this bridge for my mother kind of stuff. Um, but there are plenty of, of things out there that don't fit that sort of explanation. So. They didn't always go left to right, up to down. I mean, no. they, they, you could write these in any way you, you cared. The, this is one of the interesting things about ancient literacy. There wasn't a standard. Um, and so upside down runes, backwards runes, uh, reversed runes, these are common parts of the alphabet. And you read them as normal in a mundane inscription. Mm. And so you'll find a lot of people who will read runes reversed like you would a tarot card. You, if the tarot card is reversed, you would read it differently than if it's upright. Um I don't do that with runes because I know the way that they were used in the ancient world, which is... There was no reverse. Exactly. There, there's no orientation that uh. is 100% consistent. Well, I think, uh. I think they speak for themselves, whether or not it's a positive or a, a negative, and yeah. how they... If you cast them, if you roll the bones, then how they lay, and, and those kind of things. Absolutely. So. so, And then, you know, there are other things that sort of grow out of this runic tradition. The Icelandic magical staves are a great example where they're... Um, in many cases, based on runes, but are more sigilized. Uh, we would the the kind of magic that we would think of modern uh, in a modern way would be a, a sigil mm -hmm. and sigil magic. Um, it it looks kind of like that, based on those runic uh, Bluetooth descriptions. The Bluetooth. logo for Bluetooth is a great example. I it think uh, they're using that logo, but if you look at it, it's the series of runes that make up that logo. It's no Hoggle and uh, Barcano. Um, which stands for Harold Bluetooth, um, who was uh, known as a communicator. Right. Well, so, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> sure. He mm -hmm. communicated with the, with the people that were left. Yes. So Bluetooth was an actual historical figure. Yes. Yes. Wow. Okay. Something I did not know. And eventually he, he brought the tribes together, I guess. Yes. would be a way of saying it. Oh, very yeah. cool. A connector of a connector. people that are left over. <laughs> Solving the mystery of why the heck we use the name Bluetooth when we're talking about communication. It's actually, yeah. that's a, a person. Mm -hmm. wow. It's because he had blue teeth. Um, or, well, one. <laughs> <laughs> he might have been so, lucky to have the one. I was say, to clarify, he may have had all his teeth, but one of them was blue. Or he may have only had one, and it was blue. <laughs> I guess anything is possible in in that part of our history. Well, so you you mentioned the Elder Futhark, 
Um, and I've I've also heard uh, references to the younger futhark. Can you can you tell me what the difference is? Yeah. So the elder futhark is the the oldest extant complete alphabet that we have. Um, it, it's the one that dates back to the second century BC, possibly. Um, the younger futhark are what you might call Viking runes. It's a set uh, where the, the elder futhark is twenty four runes. The younger futhark is is typically a set of sixteen runes, um, and it, it's clearly a later version. There are a lot of different kinds of runes. You'll find medieval runes. You'll find um, even among the, the younger Futhark, there's long branch and short twig runes, um, kind of depending on where they came from. There's also an Anglo-Saxon set of runes. Um, and, and so there's there's a lot of different types of alphabets that come out of these runes. A lot of people who do magical work um, and particularly divination work um, have generally standardized on either the, the Elder Futhark or the uh, Anglo-Saxon Futhark as the most common two sets to, to do divination from. Um, but you will find that you could use any of them for this because they all have the same basic underlying pattern. Every letter uh, or every symbol is a letter, every letter is a word, and every word has a poetic meaning associated with it. Um, and we get those meanings from the rune poems. There's a, a set of, well, there are several of them, um, but the three most common are the Norwegian, the Icelandic, and the Anglo-Saxon rune poem. Um, and each of those will provide a little bit of additional meaning uh, to what that rune means. They're all, I think they're all post-Christian um, in the form that we have them. Um, and so you'll find references to God, you'll find references to Christ and things like that. Um, typically when I translate them, because I'm pagan, I tend to um, translate that God into the, the multiple um, or deal with a particular deity who seems to be associated with that one. So, I think it's convenient to use the Elder Futhark if you're looking for books, if you're looking for uh, you know, readily available material. Um, there's some, you know, a series, I, I, um, Thorson has some books and uh, Paxson has a wonderful book that kind of correlates all of the books together. Um, but, um, yes. Yeah, and if you're looking for Anglo-Saxon stuff, um, I would definitely recommend uh, Albertson's um, fine book on, uh, fine books, I suppose, on Anglo-Saxon paganism. Yes, and, and the, the original title of his book was called uh, Weird... Word working. It's being republished here in a couple months. We're actually going to have him on um, talking about it, but it's going to be republished as Saxon paganism or something like that. So, um, and yeah. he did a wonderful uh, deck of cards based on uh, Anglo-Saxon uh, him yeah. and Taryn. So we'll have we'll be talking about that too. That's really exciting. Yeah. Very cool. So to kind of show you how the, uh, the, the rune poems sort of feed into the meanings, um, I like to talk about Feu, which is the first of the runes today. Um, and what I'll do is I'll, 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 I'll read to you one of the, uh, um, each of the, the poems, the Icelandic, the Norwegian, the Anglo-Saxon, and I'll kind of tell you how to, how to pull meaning from them. Um, and we might go through all of them. We, we may not uh, down the road, but um, at least to start with, we'll talk about Feu. Um, I think it'll just be a reoccurring thing. When we, yeah. when we can get to them, we will talk about another one because yeah. I think it's useful information. 
definitely. Yeah. And that's a whole lot of material to get into it in is. depth. <laughs> With 24 oh, yeah. runes. Um, <laughs> the interesting thing is because they're not standardized in the ancient world, uh, except you know, the Elder Futhark is standardized based off of three inscriptions, but um, these poems are not standardized one for one. So you won't find every rune in every poem. So as we go through with Feu, we have one for, for each, but we may not as we continue down the road. Um, You're not starting with the blank rune? No, I'm not starting with the blank rune. Um, I, I like to say that the blank rune is the most attested rune in the ancient world. You find it everywhere, um, except where there are runes. So <laughs> I, uh, the, there are... There, there is no one who would actually say that a blank rune um, is something that should be included in a set of runes, I don't think, unless you're ordering that set of runes uh, from China um, or uh, picking up a, a book based on the Tao Te Ching um, mm. about runes, which you will sometimes find under the, the publication. Uh, Ralph Bloom has published sure, a, a sure. book called The Book of Runes, which includes a blank rune, um, and his interpretations are based on the Tao Te Ching, not on the, the rune poems. Oh, very interesting. So if you have a set and you have a blank rune, at, at some point in your life, you will lose a rune under the couch. Use the blank rune until you move the couch. <laughs> um, other than that, use it uh, you know, as a, a Scrabble piece if you want. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think uh, we found out in our work that it, it, it comes out to be in a blank rune because if you do it in a, a sheet on a laser engraver, you have 25 spots oh. to even it up. So if you buy a magical druid, cheap plug, ding, um, <laughs> rune set, then you will get a, I think we're doing a Helm of Oz Helm instead of, Oz. of a blank rune. Yeah. So you can use that as a protection. Which is one of those Icelandic magical staves that I mentioned earlier based on the, the Algi's runes. Um, Algi's being one of the runes. But so. Fehu. But Fehu. So Fehu, or, or Fey, uh, means cow. That, that's what the, the rune translates to. And, uh, <laughs> well done, Seamus. That was a great cow impression. <laughs> the, the other thing that it translates to is wealth, because cows in the ancient world are wealth. Um, and so in the Icelandic poem, you have cow or wealth um, as source of all discord among kinsmen, the fire of the sea and the path of the serpent. In the Norwegian rune poem, it is wealth is the source of discord among kinsmen the wolf who lives in the forest. And here, it sounds like they're talking very poorly about wealth, that wealth is not a good thing, it's not a virtue. But when you look at the Anglo-Saxon rune poem, you get a little bit of a, a temper to that. Wolf is a, wolf. Wealth is a comfort to all men, yet every man must bestow it freely if he wishes to gain honor in the sight of the gods. What this is saying, and it gives that, additional context to the other two poems I tend to think is that the reason that wealth is a source of discard is because, discord is because people with wealth who don't share it are not exercising the responsibilities that wealth brings this is a rune of hospitality and generosity um, if you think about uh, dragons in Indo-European mm. lore the sin of a dragon, to, to use that word loosely, sin, the, the thing that a dragon does that is so awful 
it's not that it's a dragon. It's not that it's a serpent. It's that it sits on wealth. Mm. It hoards it. It keeps it away from other people. Right. And the responsibility that wealth brings is that you have to give it to others. Right. Wealth that is earned and kept is not wealth. It's something that is a curse. Um, The wolf that grows up in the woods that uh, is mentioned in the the Norwegian poem, um, if you cast out your brother usually your younger brother who didn't get a share of the wealth, if you cast him out and he goes out into the woods, he will come back as a wolf uh, to claim what he feels is rightfully his. Um, That's, I think, what that is really referring to. Um, You distribute it to your family. You distribute it to those who depend on you. And that is how you make wealth into something that is positive and something that is useful. It's a warning um, in the poem itself. I've always seen it as movable wealth. Mm-hmm. It um, is indeed movable. And I, I've always seen it as that twin pillar of, uh, uh, you know, wealth, having money, having something and not sharing it. There's a twin pillar of responsibility when you have that. Mm-hmm. It's to lift others up with it. Right. There's a noblesse yeah. oblige where mm-hmm. where if, if you are in a position of uh, favor or um, one of the terms that we're using a lot lately in, in contemporary society, which is privilege. Um, yes. that that acting outside of the accordance of that privilege, you know, basically denying other people what it is that you have and that you have to as much as you need and then some. Um, yeah, if, if that's not if that's not being distributed, redistributed into the community, then then you're participating actively in starvation, essentially. Yeah. Um, and when you were you you were mentioning the wolf, Michael. One of the bells that got rung in the back of my head was the mythology of uh, Fenris Wolf, and how um, when the the gods were were conspiring to to shackle Fenris Wolf, um, and finally did successfully, there was the statement on the part of the wolf that uh, had had you treated me fairly, I would have been a friend to you, and instead the wolf is waiting at the end of the world to devour everything that is. I think that that kind of has a resonance with what we're talking about here. It's, you know, if you cast someone out, they become that wild, ferocious thing that's going to come back and bite you in the ass, quite literally. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things, too, is, you know, should you draw this rune, um, it, it I generally consider this a positive rune. It's a good I thing. I do, too. yeah. And... But it's it's very clearly got that piece of you're going to get this good thing. You're going to have this wealth. This wealth can be taken from you. But if you share it, if you give it properly to those who are deserving of it, then it will come back to you. It will it will increase yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah, this is the community chess card in Monopoly. This oh, is the bonus that you good get. Call. This is something that you are uh, awarded or somehow comes to you. Um, and it, it, it should be shared. It, mm-hmm. It's a bonus. Everybody gets ice cream today because of it. it, it it's not something, you know, it, it's it's that uh, found money when you have a flat tire. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's those kind of things. Yeah. But it's not the ancestral money that you're you're stocking away for your future and, and you know, you're building your, 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 your future on. This is yeah. disposable, I guess, is the kind of word I'm looking and, for. And, and what you're kind of getting at there, too, with the, the ancestral wealth is the final rune, um, which, which is Ovila. Um, and that rune is uh, that ancestral property. It's the enclosure. 
Um, it's the, uh, the, the kind of wealth that you will always have because it, it can't be moved. It can't get sick. It can't die. Right. But cattle, mm. cattle die. Kinsmen die. You know, these, these are things that we know from, from Norse lore very clearly. Mm. Um, and so that wealth is definitely transitory. So while you have it, spread it, give mm. it to others, enter reciprocity. Uh, with other individuals. So it sounds to me like this particular system of divination, when it is used as divination, is both um, prognostication and a, a bit of a lesson. You know, you're, you're getting both. You're, you're yeah. getting a, a peek into what lies ahead, but also a, a bit of information about how to navigate what lies ahead. In many cases, yeah. And w when I think about divination, and this could be a whole other conversation, um, Isaac Bonner once, once wrote, all divination is concerned with the past. Hmm. So it talks, you know, the, the, the thing that you get when you do divination is you get a picture of the world as is, the influences that brought you to this place, to this and point. then a guess about what's going to sure. happen. Right. It's, it's an informed, educated guess about what the future will hold for you right. and instruction on how to deal with that. Right. Um, and so that's why... When I do a, a quick pull, I pull three runes, past, present, future. The past is set. The present is pretty darn set as well. But that future, that's something you can fix. That's something you can change if you need to. And the runes will then give you an idea of how to deal with that process. I, I would say the, the only thing I'd add to that is how you interact with that present. Yeah. How, how you maneuver and navigate that present is how you will change that future. You know, when, when if you were to give somebody a reading, here's everything that is becoming. Mm -hmm. That's the way I think of it. It's becoming. This is the possibility based on everything that you've done to get you here, like Michael said. Mm -hmm. But that can all change if you walk out the front door, look at your Facebook on your, your, your phone, and walk in front of a bus. Exactly. So you, you have to be in the present and be responsible for that that action in the present that shapes your future. Yeah, and like you said, div divination is essentially a discussion of the past. And I think since we've all done readings and, and had the experience of having conversations with people who come to us for readings and don't necessarily like what we have to say or don't necessarily want to step into that authoritative role in their own lives and take that responsibility, one of the things I'm finding really fascinating about Rune so far from this discussion is how the responsibility is kind of part of the conversation like you don't get to not hear about that part you know? the, the runes will, will certainly treat you to a healthy dose of responsibility i have found i really i really like that i have to say like in yeah. in reading things like um even astrological charts or or uh tarot it, it it doesn't always give you that bit of okay here's the the moving wealth the the transient wealth and the wealth that must be, you know, here's what you do with that wealth. It must be shared. It must be distributed. I think that's going to bring us to the end of uh, this episode or edition. Is it edition or episodes? Edition? Episodes? Editions. We should right. probably we'll talk about, uh, yeah. We'll figure that out. But until then, um, don't worry about it. You've listened to it and it's gone. So uh, whatever it is, <laughs> but, it happened. Um, but I would I would say that the, the people who brought you this fine episode. Yes, that's exactly where I was heading. Who, who, who brought us this fine episode? This fine episode was brought to you by the Magical Druid and by Nui Cobalt Designs. And uh, from Nui Cobalt Designs, you may wish to explore our Crohn's Crate. It is a uh, specially curated 
and collaborated crate for the discerning pagan practitioner. And uh, this time around, we're going to have some beautiful gifts from uh, everyone from the Magical Druid to Coastside Conjure to uh, myself, Nui Cobalt Designs, and Arcana Wildcraft. So go to NuiCobaltDesigns.com, check out our Crohn's Crate section, and go ahead and order. As far as the Magical Druid goes, uh, please check us out on Facebook or go to our website, www.MagicalDruid.com. Check out all of our wares. If you're interested in anything custom, we do a lot of custom engraving and custom work. If you're looking to... uh, Grab a wonderful rune set. We make everything from a travel set up to deluxe exotic wood sets. If you'd like to know more about the runes, we have a very good book that Michael wrote called The Very Basics and Runes, or Of Runes, I think it is. The Very Basic of Runes. Um, You can grab that book online. You can get a bundle. So you end up with the book and the runes and an Odin's Eye and a uh, carry-along bag and a... um, uh, help board. me, Michael. A board, a um, casting board. A casting board. That sounds so, really cool. I want one. So <laughs> check us out. Uh, until we see you next time, or you listen to us next time. Stay blessed. Stay positive, and uh, yeah, be good to each other. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>